part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. I drink water now. Okay. Welcome to Busting mm-hmm. Blockbusters, where Priscilla is drinking water on camera. Uh, after I told her that she had plenty of time to do so, this is how I cut her off. Today, this podcast is going all highfalutin, folks. We're going to tell the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences exactly who they should pick for the Oscars. I am joined by Priscilla. You find her on YouTube at Priscilla TV one. And uh, she's already done a video covering all of the, uh, at least the best picture films with her own personal reviews on those um, save zone of interest. But you've seen that since then, right, Priscilla? I've seen that. And uh, well, for those who don't know, I live in Berlin. So it was, uh, and I watched in the main uh, movie theater of the DDF, like of the East Berlin. So it was very, it was a very cool experience. Yeah. And I cannot recommend the movie enough. People wow. should, should watch it. Yeah. So deserving of its nominations, then I guess, huh? More than deserving. Like if you win something, uh, it's well, well earned, I would say. Excellent. Priscilla. Now, you came up with this game, and you actually came up with it for uh, myself and Bubba to play with you. It's called, what, Oscar Bingo, right? Yeah. Bubba couldn't be with us because he evidently has a sustained injury due to having to sit at a computer all day long and continue to respond to comments for all of his Let's Solve YouTube videos, which you should check out on the WP Media Network of uh, YouTube channels. Uh, It's youtube.com slash at the word double p media and uh also again check out priscilla at priscilla tv one on youtube as well but uh can you explain to our listeners slash viewers how we're going to do this game what are we going to do what are we going to talk about with each of these main nominations so basically we are just focusing on the the main dish of the night of the evening so we'll be at a category like actor in a leading role actor in a supporting role actress in a leading role actress in a supporting role and best movie so we are just going to discuss these five categories and we are going to pick who we are going who we think will win who we think should win and who, who we think should not even be there because we are mean this way. And then at the end of the day, I think in about two weeks, we have the Oscars. Then we are going to learn the results and whoever gets the most wins no, will be the champion of the bingo, will be the bingo champion, the bingo master. I don't know what, how you'd say that. Okay. Well, the champion, uh, what does the champion win, Priscilla? Uh, nothing. <laughs> a big bag of nothing. I mean, a bragging big rights. bag of nothing. Bragging rights. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if I win, if I ever go to St. Louis, like where, where, where you are, you can buy me a beer. Hello, guys. Sorry I'm late. I wanted to show up only when the big awards were nominated. 
well, you're going to hear our picks like a week or so before the Oscars are had. And up until the night of the Oscars, only on the YouTube video channel, which is, again, at the word double, the letter P, the word media on YouTube. Just search for that. Find this video. Leave a comment with what your picks are. Priscilla, anybody who picks better than me, they, they, they can leave comments with their picks up until the day of the Oscars. And then we will look at those. And anybody who does better that night than I do is entered into a contest to win a $100 U.S. gift card from Amazon. Wow. Um, That's good. Which means you're not eligible because you're not in the U.S. Yeah. No, uh, I'm not. No, I will find an international equivalent, Priscilla. I will find an international equivalent. I'm not a person. I don't exist. I'm not in the U.S. I understand. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just like a ghost. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, today you're actually a person. We'll see how you whether you're still a person in December of 2024. What we needed to do is enter into the contest uh, via right. YouTube comment on again youtube.com slash at the word double the letter P the word media by March 10th 2024. No longer you're no longer on Instagram or like Twitter, I don't know, these things. Or... Well you you can you can tweet to Bubba and tell him to never play any more of my videos again, uh, as if you oh want, God. and use uh, double PHQ for those. For all the social medias, you use the word double, the letter P, and the letter mm-hmm. HQ for headquarters. Uh, but uh, to enter into the contest, you can only use at double P media on YouTube. So that's the way that that goes. Which category are we going to do first, Priscilla? Um, I think we can we can start with actor, like uh, because as you know, gentlemen's first. That's the the main rule. Mm. Okay. Right? Men first, right? Well, that's that's the way that uh, people think it is. I don't particularly agree with it. If you'd rather do actresses, I can do actresses too. No, no, I think, yeah, yeah, I'm all about. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go with ma- the man. Uh, the nominees are Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Opp- Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Now, Priscilla, I liked all of these films. I really did. I thought that they were all mm-hmm. great. Um, I know that some people have feelings about maestro um especially because of the use of you know a certain prosthetic and everything um some people really frowned on that and i understand that um but i thought that the acting performance for bradley was really good and in fact he's the one that i want to win which i know uh may be an unpopular decision but here's why there are moments yeah and this is speaking as a fellow musician Um, There are moments in your life when you're playing where things become transcendent, where you are no longer really playing your instrument. Um, Something is just coming through you and you're part of it. If you don't have the technical Mm -hmm. facility or whatever, um, naturally that doesn't happen. And it's only really happened to me maybe twice in my whole life, definitely less than five. But to watch the way that Bradley portrayed 
Bernstein in certain moments, especially the, the Mahler Symphony 2, which is the one in the church. He really, because you're not even, a, when, when this kind of thing happens to you as a musician, you don't even know what's up. It's like you blink and it's over. And then all of a sudden there's a mm-hmm. bunch of people screaming and yelling and they love it. Um, mm-hmm. You go back and watch a video of you doing it. And that's exactly what you see the way he was conducting that orchestra there. The London Symphony Orchestra's performance of that was fantastic. The way mm-hmm. he directed it, and I don't know that he wasn't actually live directing it. I couldn't tell you one way or the other, technically. Uh, I know that the performance is one of the most magical performances and most moving performances I've ever heard. And mm-hmm. part of it was the way that he directed it. And that's all I needed to say. You know, it's impossible to capture that, except on video mm-hmm. of somebody who isn't even aware it's happening to them. The way that he captured that was enough for me to want him to win this. I think Killian Murphy will win it, though. And I don't have anybody yeah. who uh, I don't have anybody on this list who I think uh, shouldn't have been nominated. I think they're all great. I love Jeffrey Wright. He's having a year between Rustin mm-hmm. uh, and this movie, American Fiction. He's fantastic. Um, Paul Giamatti was excellent in the holdovers. Um, but I just, that film feels a little bit more formulaic, except with a little bit more disappointing ending than most of your, uh, Mm -hmm. teenager, uh, movies, uh, your teenager in distress movies. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I thought Coleman was great as Rustin. Uh, I think that's very historically significant. So I think the performance is great. So those are my picks for this one. Again, I want Bradley Cooper to win, but I think Killian Murphy will win because Oppenheimer's a really good film um, and deserves some praise. And I don't have anybody to strike. How about you in terms of leading actor? Since I, you know, since this, since this category, since we decided that this show is all about men first, I thought I'd give my pick. So it's all about men first. Yeah. Well, but the idea also to do this podcast specifically is because it was such a good year for movies, you know. I, I'm like a cinephile. I was dying to go back to the movie theater. And it seems to me that people like uh, directors, producers, writers, uh, actors, they spend like the the pandemic thinking, wow, like we should really start like taking this job more seriously and like and putting ourselves out there. And that's the result. This year is the, this, the result of something that happened no so you have like superhero movies going down and real movies like not not that superhero movies are not movies okay not saying that but like you heard it here first non-superhero movies coming up again thankfully so uh i was so and then i realized oh my god there are so many good movies so especially now because this uh, year is so competitive and as you said I really believe that Bradley Cooper did a good job. That's uh, my opinion, too. But I happened to watch two other movies, like The Iron Fist and uh, All of Us Strangers. And All of Us Strangers, uh, Andrew Scott is magnificent there. Like, it's heartbreaking. And it's nuanced and uh, it's beautiful. And uh, he managed to go from, um, I, 
I'm not, I don't want to be spoilerish, but it's just the story of this man who has like some encounter with the, the his deceased parents. So he lost his parents when he was uh, 11 years old, and he moves into this new building when he's uh, already in his 40s. And he meets and falls in love with a neighbor of his. Meanwhile, he's dealing with the loss of his parents no? um, by meeting these parents in the old house that he used to live. And so he goes back and forward, like being an adult and being a child, like... Like when he's with his parents, like he behaves like a child, not not childlike, but like reactions to his parents. Like he wants their approval, he wants their love, and he goes back and forth, and it's amazing. So in this sense, uh, I'm not a musician, so I didn't have that connection to Bradley Cooper's performance. I could see his he was good. He deserves to be there. But just the thought that Andrew Scott is not there, mm-hmm. you know, that already is a minus, in my opinion. So if I could, it's not that I'm saying that he doesn't deserve to be there. So uh, in this category, I agree with you. Everybody deserves to be there. But if I could swap Bradley Cooper for Andrew Scott, I would, you know. Okay. I just want to make this absolutely clear. So, so let's make this absolutely clear then. The award that we give when they shouldn't be there is called an ouch award. Is that right? Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Exactly. Okay. So you're not giving Bradley Cooper an ouch award. You're just saying that no, if you had your druthers, have... you feel like Andrew Scott got snubbed. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, and speaking about the other actors, Coleman Domingo, he was super good. Mm-hmm. He was super good. And uh, the fact that the movie is uh, like, uh, it's a biography, you know, the Academy, they like biography, they like bi- biopics. And there is some, uh, there is historical uh, relevancy to, I think this all supposedly should push this performance up, but I think the performance is good enough without all these considerations, you know. And uh, I, w- I was really, uh, at moments, I, I was really like, um, the way they portray his friendship with Martin Luther King, like I see, and like their, their relationship and how the civil rights movement was being forged there, uh, it, it was excellent. What was not excellent was the um, the fact that it's a Netflix production, so he suffers from this Netflix production syndrome, which right. you don't get to see the march. You don't get to see a, a lot of things that you right. wanted to see. Uh, but it's like a trait that they are focusing on the, the main character, I understand, deserves to be that. Paul Giamatti holdovers lovely performance lovely and for me i have an emotional connection to this one better because i am of the generation that uh that point society was the movie of my yeah my youth you know it was the movie i was obsessed about it i love that movie so much and the holdovers has this kind of that point society feeling no like they they are like in this um 
preparatory school with for boys and things are not doing going well for some boys there right. there is like this professor and Paul Giamatti's character like he's hard to love and you understand why he's hard to love because he's really hard to love it's not that he's a bad <laughs> person it's because he's a special person no uh -huh. <laughs> Um yeah, but I I fear that Killian Murphy will be the winner again. Another biopic, um, again a, a very good performance from uh, an actor who has consistently been good, yeah. which is also important. Like the Academy, all always like to reward people that are consistently good, no? um, consistently excellent, excellent, and Killian Murphy is excellent. So. For this category, I think Killian Murphy will win. I would love for Jeffrey Wright to win. Yeah, I can see that. American Fiction, I laughed. Uh, I was it's like, a really funny movie, yeah, and I'm I'm glad it got in the nomination really, stuff. Yeah, it's a really funny movie, and his face—he's like he—he's appalled. He's either appalled sad or he's amused by his brother like and and it's awesome it's a, such an atypical jeffrey wright role because you like look at him in rustin yeah. and he's playing that representative who's just a mean guy and he's always playing you know we'll think of like westworld he's playing a, a an android that's just kind of straight all everything straight laced and everything and here he's just so much more animated and it still kind of comes from the same place it, it comes from yeah. this place of like, you know, I can't tolerate how silly the world is. But when and when he has to become silly himself in order to uh, make he this goes, whole thing work, it's amazing. It's absolutely great. Yeah, when he's writing. Yeah. When he's writing, he's like, no, go on. I cannot do this. It's amazing. So I if if this was a perfect Priscilla world, Jeffrey Wright would look at this. Oh, statue. I, I, I like that pick, Baba. You're you're. Uh, who do you think is gonna? Who do you want to win actor in a leading role? I have been fond of Paul Giamatti since his performance in Sideways, and I think he would be my vote for the holdovers this year for actor in a lead role. I think there is a good chance he could win. I think it is a two-person race between him and Cillian Murphy and Oppenheimer. I've seen both of these performances. I think they're both good. The question is, is that can Giamatti overtake Murphy? If I'm putting my money where my mouth is, I think he is. I think Paul Giamatti is going to somehow take this from the lead of the three-hour great movie Oppenheimer. Wow. Okay. Okay, wow. so your official vote is Paul Giamatti. Yes, I, I think, to be honest, I think this might be the only cl close race in the entire Oscars of the kind of bigger categories, but that's where I'm going. Okay. Okay, excellent. Is there anybody in that category that you think shouldn't be there? Not that it's not an effective performance, but for various reasons, I didn't connect with Maestro. And so there's a part of me that because I didn't connect with it, I do question whether Bradley Cooper should have been nominated. But on the flip side, even though I didn't connect with it, I can still see that this is a very realistic, very 
good per, per, uh, uh, a good uh, uh, portrayal of Leonard Bernstein. So uh, actor in a supporting role, our nominees are Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Robert De Niro for Killers in the Flower Moon, of the Flower Moon, pardon me, uh, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. And uh, let's start with you this time. Let's do it like kind of like a snake. No, dragon. no, no, please. Men's first. Please. Men first. Okay. Always. Well, when we get to the actresses, yeah. we got to do women first. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think Sterling K. Brown's going to win, and I think that he should. Um, really? Yes. Wow. Uh, I found that character, I found that character just to be very unlikable. And for me, it's hard to not like Sterling K. Brown, Sterling K. Brown. I mean, I know he's, he's done things um, mm -hmm. that seem, you know, kind of menacing and whatever, but he just seemed kind of like just somebody I didn't really want to know, but also someone who has feelings, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, sometimes act out, acts out on those feelings. So I really, I really enjoyed that portrayal. Um, and it, I hate to say this, but it may be mainly by default because I didn't get anything special out of Robert Downey's Jr.'s performance in Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, mm -hmm. he was an Iron Man, uh, but you know, other than that, it's just another Robert Downey Jr. performance. They're all good. It's just uh, you know, it's just nothing that makes him any better than any of his other performances. Um, Ryan Gosling did a really good job. I, I don't get me wrong, uh, but if there was any actor that was going to be nominated for any category, he probably would have been my last choice among that cast. Um, mm -hmm. And Mark Ruffalo, good performance. I've seen him do better things, um, and mm -hmm. it almost seemed too over the top. Of course, all of poor things is kind of just an over the top anyway, you know, which I yeah. love. Um that's but, the point of the movie, I think, yeah. more or less. But I don't know. It just, it. when I walked away from that film, I thought Emma Stone was great. Oh, my God, the music score was fantastic. Those were my two big thoughts on it. Uh, I love the set design, all that stuff. Didn't care, though. I, I, thought, I thought Emma Stone was fantastic, and I thought the score was breathtaking. Um. But nothing else about that movie really settled with me. Again, I'm doing this judging mm -hmm. on what I want to go back and watch it right away. Um, and Mark yeah. Ruffalo's performance is not one of those reasons. But my the person I'm going to give the ouchie to is Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen him do the Godfather. Pardon my French. But I've seen him do the Godfather over and over and over in various other franchises. And it seems like he's always come kind of thug in any martin scorsese film. yeah mm -hmm. i mean this is just this whole kill anything killers of the flower moon outside of lily gladstone is going to get my ouchie because yeah to me it's, it's just true. a rehashing of a martin scorsese film uh of of the same martin scorsese film that he's been doing since raging bull um except for the, in that one you almost kind of actually root for robert de niro in this one i could just do i could care less 
It's just another yeah. thug. It's just and, another. It's it's the Godfather meets Forrest Gump, as I think I yeah, said we, in the comments before. We can talk about the this strange movie, which it was a strange experience watching Killers of the Flower Moon for me later. But I agree with you. So uh, um, so just like Sterling K. Brown, an American fiction, it's the kind of performance uh that every actor should not be afraid to deliver because his character um he it's not that he goes through a, a, an arch no it's just that his relationship with his brother Jeffrey Wright with his family yeah. and how the movie is portraying that it's so it could be like it's so natural because it's the kind of thing that siblings I, I'm, I'm a lonely child but uh it's it's a very people can look at this, that family dynamics and recognize it no there is like the um, the boy who is more uh, um, aligned with the father and like there is the the mother in the middle and there's like two other siblings and there is one sibling that is uh, the responsible one that is taking care of the mother um, and another sibling that is uh, not really there for the family and another sibling that uh, is the wild one. No. So when they come together, when these two characters, and, and the funny thing is uh, Tracy Ellis for us amazing and she's gone in less than 20 minutes and i would love to have seen these three uh, siblings together it was a shock the yeah. uh, but the movie is not about the three siblings getting together the movie is basically about uh like the the two remaining siblings becoming who they are meant to be in a way now so the eldest sibling, he was supposed to be there with his mother. And so he comes back and leaves the frustration of his professor life behind. So he comes back. He takes like a more pragmatic approach about his writing. And he's doing the responsible thing because the, the one who is doing the responsible thing is gone. And the other one who supposedly had the perfect life was not only a doctor, but a, a plastic surgeon, uh, married, kids. He actually he, he wanted nothing from that life. So he's actually a, a gay guy and he's discovering himself as a gay guy uh, along the, the movie. And again, just the face of Jeffrey, right? Like he's like he's like he's appalled to see his brother like just going from one house to the other like pretending that he is actually returning to where he lives but he's just like doing drugs and like discovering his sexuality all around and it was like and he never 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 like it's apolo he's unapologetic about it and he's like all true all the time it's very difficult to do that, like in a performance, to to bring out this level of truthness, you know, right. this level of, yeah, that's what, who I am. What do you want from me? Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, that's 
yeah, that's it. You take it or leave it. So amazing performance. I would love for him to win. Yeah. But I don't think he will. Uh -oh. Robert De Niro is the winner of the Ouch Award. Should never be there. Uh, like, his character only needed to be in the first part of the movie and in the last part of the movie, not in the middle. Like, everything that we needed to know about his character was established in a, a very masterful first ha first part of the movie because the movie is kind of like there is a prologue, there is a first part, second part, third part, and an epilogue. So the first part of the movie already established everything we needed to know about that character. Yeah. We didn't need to be staying with that character for that long. I know that we're still talking about the supporting role here, but mm -hmm. it took me three days to watch this film. I kept falling asleep during this film. Because that's what Scorsese and Ford Coppola movies do to me. I don't know if it's something, okay. it's something in the soundtrack or whatever, but I'll watch and I'll be like, oh, oh, I feel tired. I'm going to lay down on the couch and watch this. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I know, it's over. The credits are rolling. I had to restart this film six times mm -hmm. over the course of three days in order to be able to watch through it completely one time. That's terrible. That's the yeah. kind of effect that these film, these high art films mm -hmm. supposedly done by Ford Coppola and Scorsese have on me. I know it's very atypical for most people <laughs> as compared to most people. I can't stand it. Yeah, no, he, he needed to be in the first part of the movie to be established as who he was. And, and well. Martin Scorsese did that. I got lots he of things to say about this film, so I'll try and save some of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like going moving forward, like Robert De Niro, you you got your Ouch Award. You should not be there. You should not be here. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, I don't know. Robert Downey Jr. should be the winner. I hope he's not, but should be the winner. Um, he he made so much money for uh, the studios and he has been like he was at some point the one of the most talented actors in his generation like like if you go like late 80s early 90s and uh, like his recovery and everything is the quite quite the story in my opinion and he deserves to be lauded by it because it's not a, an easy thing to do like to recover and to recover also your career because careers are lost to to like drug addiction and so on and uh and the character is somehow like tailor tailor made to be an oscar uh nominated kind of character okay. it's in a biopic it's the antagonist uh he plays it well with conviction uh thing is um i never could dissociate him i always knew it's Robert downey jr down there but he's defending the character i cannot say that he doesn't belong there all i can say is that if he wins and which i think he wins it's going to be more about the the the, the like the all the other things like of his career 
that he had he was nominated when he was 26 years for uh chaplain should have won there didn't and made a comeback made a ton of money and everything like this counts in the in the choice like that so uh yeah buddy i think he's going to win ryan gosling i wouldn't be sad i wouldn't be uh, sad if he won i think it's like uh the kind of performance that um it's very difficult also to to give um like uh, he sings he dances he he does everything and i would love for the academy to become more appreciative of this kind of performances because they really like he had to make a doll be believable as a man he this is a this is insane now he starts out as a like a, as a stereotypical because uh he is the stereotypical boyfriend of the stereotypical barbie no and and then he he goes into this quest with her and he he finds in the the real world he goes to the real world and um he finds out that suddenly he has power but then he goes back to their world and tries to make a revolution and then he figures out in the end which is like a holder coaster that what he truly needs is to be uh, a person in the end like a real person with real feelings and to be not not to be attached to someone else to have like to become and this is kind of the journey again he's a doll and that i was surprised that i was moved by it at the end I was just, I was not only laughing about Ken being Ken and being blonde and being stupid. Mm. I was also like, uh, feeling for the guy because like he, he made some bad choices along the way. And, yeah. you know, and who didn't have, who didn't make bad choices along the way? But uh, yeah, so, but again, Robert Daniel Jr. should win. I think Sterling K. Brown should uh would be the would be my my pick personally but i think Robert and Robert and should not be there at all and mark ruffalo um what i appreciate about poor things and what i appreciate about mark ruffalo performance as i said in my video nobody was ashamed like and it's one of these exercises that does no, no shame. No, like you signed to be in poor things, you cannot be ashamed of anything. And Mark Ruffalo, he read the fine print and he was like, "Okay, yeah, I'm not ashamed. I will be this horrible, horrible person from the beginning to the end. Uh, I will be this this guy like who is doing very disgusting, like disturbing, even if you come to think." Because I don't want to be spoilerish, but um, uh, there is a question about consent there. Mm. That let's say that uh, this character just completely disregards, uh, but he plays it very well, and he is, uh, um, and it's always good to see like people having fun a bit, and just the dance scene for me. <laughs> 
was the dance like, scene was really good. That that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it was such like um, it was just such like a a, a short visual storytelling device of the the relationship between yeah. him and her like that he's trying to to win control over her to win him like and she was like no dude no i'm i'm right. stronger than you what are you talking yeah. about yeah. and she's like she's always turn, turning uh the table over him and yeah. he keeps trying keeps trying keeps trying some actor in a supporting role baba who do you think should win? Who do you want to win? I think this is a, if you're putting money on who to bet who will win, I think it's Robert Downey Jr. And this might be another award kind of for his great career. He's already won for Chaplin yeah. and other things, uh, Oscars. But I think he's very good in Oppenheimer and I think he may get it. There is a part of me that because I love being a smart aleck and silly, I would love for Ryan Gosling and Barbie to receive this award. I would love Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things to receive this award because of the comedic nature of their roles. But I do not think they have a chance against Robert Downey Jr. this year, partially because I think the Academy is always kind of celebrates comedic uh, movies, comedic films, comedic portrayals and acting. They always kind of honor that last. They do do it in supporting roles, so I suppose there's a chance, but I'm going to go with Downey Jr. in this category. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, Let me say that I have seen Killers of the Flower Moon, and not that it's not bad. Not, sorry, not that it's a one-note performance, but because the character that Robert Downey Jr. portrays as King Hale in Killers of the Flower Moon. Is, Robert is, De Niro, you mean? Robert, oh, what did I say? Robert Downey Jr. again? I'm sorry. Yeah. Robert De Niro has a bit of a one-note character. Now, the character is kind of stuck in their ways and very headstrong about their beliefs and what they're doing. But I think he doesn't have the range to play that some of the other characters do. Like, I honestly think Ken in Barbie goes through more character growth and change than Downey Jr., mm -hmm. than De Niro does, excuse me, at all in Killers of the Flower Moon. And so that's not, to, I guess that is to uh, say that I think some voters would have trouble with a character who's portrayed very well, but also kind of one note throughout the entire film. So you vote for Robert De Niro to win the ouch? No, I, vo I vote for award. Downey to win. I vote. No, for De Niro to win the ouch award, that he should not be there. Oh, correct. The ouch, total the ouch. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're okay. all in agreement on that's that. So, one. yeah, that's like the first agreement we have. Three for the needle to win the ouch. Now it's your turn, Priscilla. You get to lead the podcast uh, because we're oh, going man. to the uh, actress side of the podcast. So, why don't you break down these categories for us and you get to go first on all these too? Okay, so the nominated for actress in a leading role are Annette Benning for Niad, uh, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hüller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. Uh, yes, so again, 
I would I would have to be very mean to give an ouch award here. I think the performances are um are very solid. It's it's uh, there there was just five spots. I understand that. Uh but I will give actually an ouch award. I will I will I will give it to Kari Mulligan. Really? Uh, right of the yeah. And I explain I will explain why. No. I think like actually her um the way she's behaving in this uh, Oscar campaign, it's uh, completely okay. She's just happy to be there, which is the position that she should have. She's just happy to be there. Mm. She's in good company. But she's essentially playing like the long-suffering wife uh, of a gay guy. That's her mm. role. And that's what they made uh, made in the movie. And I know there is a discussion that, like Bradley Cooper was actually, uh, he decided he made a, a decision of focusing on them both. So you you, you just basically going to the the P, POVs of him and her. Uh, so it would be the story of this couple rather than a biopic of him of. Uh, and I agree completely because I think the the way he split the time for the both characters it's very wise uh and I think the the movie doesn't suffer from it uh but if you if you take out everything in the end, she is the suffering wife of a great man, and we already seen that a lot uh, okay. and she doesn't bring honestly she she she's competent. Think. Yeah. But she doesn't bring anything new. And there yeah. is a whole uh, story about because, uh, like, his wife, she was um, Latin. And that uh, Carrie Mulligan should not be playing because she's an English. And, and I think it's kind of a kind of a empty discussion. Like, in a sense, yes, it would have been great if they would have given the the role to an upcoming um, Chilean or Argentinian actress mm -hmm. to play the role of a Chilean uh, woman. It would have been great in this in this sense, not because of race, because Latin is not a race, and uh, she was white. She was like from Spanish background there is not that much mixigenation there okay. and she spoke with that mid-atlantic thing that like mid-atlantic for those who don't know like it was like a fake accent that they invented sometime in the um, early 20th century that is essentially supposedly accentless as like a modification of American and British stuff. That's why it's mid-Atlantic. It's supposed to be in the middle of Atlantic, this accent. That uh, people in the movies used to use when they wanted to portray uh, upper class. So it became very popular among actors. Because you could enunciate all the words. People could understand everything. And she speaks with that. Okay. Uh, and so... This has nothing to do. I think personally that she didn't bring anything about it. She's just like, I didn't see her being a good actress. I didn't see her like uh, focusing on her career. I didn't see her being a mother. 
uh, I just saw her like being um, falling in love with this guy, suffering, uh, uh, suffering for this guy because he was not there with her. Uh, being humiliated by this guy and uh, eventually getting sick and and dying. So no transcendency for Carrie Mulligan in the same way that there was for Bradley Cooper. No, and it, yeah, she was just like she went from girlfriend to wife to maybe ex-wife to dear friend. Okay, so Annette Benning, Niad. Niad is also a Netflix movie, but I think the execution actually worked better than Rusting as a movie to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because Annette Benning, she's sensational. And she plays uh, another of those characters, just a little bit like Paul Giamatti in The Hodovas. It's a character that is very, that you know has a good heart, but it's very difficult to love. It's very difficult to be by her side, to be with her, to, to live beside her. It would be very difficult to live uh, next to the Paul Giamatti character in Hodovas. It would be very difficult to live with Niad. On its bannings here, because it's a character that is like very a little bit narcissistic, and she has all these uh, traumas, and she's always like uh, so not angry, but she's always like, oh, I have to do something. So like determined, you know, that there is very little space for anything else in her life. Nevertheless, uh, there is warmth there, and uh, and and it's. Uh, you know, it's Annette Benning. She should have won an Oscar a long time ago. And she deserves to be there. Okay. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall and Sandra Huller. Look, Anatomy of a Fall, I don't understand why all the hype is about, honestly. I think it's a very good movie. Uh, we are going to talk about later. But I think if if you people are finding a great movie, it's because there is Sandra Hula there. She is sensational. She she is amazing in what she does because she is a German who is uh, playing in English and speaking French. Yeah. And uh, she is uh, in the middle of a very stressful moment in her life. And you see, like, her, the way she plays that woman is that she's, like, as trapped by the language as she is trapped in that chalet. She is trapped. She's trapped in, the, in this marriage. She's trapped in the chalet. She's trapped because she's in a situation where uh, she doesn't speak her mother tongue, and, and she she's still learning to speak the language where she's living from. So it's a very confusing time. And if anybody who immigrated, um, I think everybody, like you can have this anguish that you, you want to be able to express everything, but you can't. So you jump from one language to the other. And not to mention the, the emotions, because when you are not speaking your language, you always sound a little bit 
um, less competent. Yeah, less honest. You always sound a little bit like you're pretending. Uh You know. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No. Honestly, even if you are very fluent, I I mean, unless you are, uh, well, unless you have like you you spend your childhood speaking two languages like right. you know like your father is from one country you can jump from one country. to the other without even thinking yeah. about it yeah but it's not the case here so and they played with that very that's what makes the movie interesting not the story not uh maybe like we can talk about later but her performance is amazing i would love for her to win she's not going to win uh um so Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Emma Stone, Poor Things. It's between them, in my opinion. And here's the thing. I think it will go to Lily Gladstone by like a very small margin. I don't know, because they also they also change how they vote for the Oscars. So it's like you you have to put like the category, you have to put the nominees in order, right? Okay. So whoever gets like more votes for the first place in the order of preference gets. So for instance, there is a division there. Uh, the Oscar can always go to the the person who has more second places. Now. It's like the way so sports really, writers here in the United States vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, they they, yeah. You know, they list them in order one to ten or whatever, and then whoever I think the top five number one votes mm-hmm. get um, get inducted. I think that's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. So Lady Gladstone is. Uh, is an actress, is the leading actress of Killers of the Flower Moon because she is yeah. the leading actress, not because she is in the scene for much long. You know, yeah. it's just because she's the main female actor of the movie. That's the difference. And it's 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 like it should be criminal what they did. It's a crime in my opinion, because she's very good at and uh, And I wish I knew more of her. I knew more of her community. I knew more about her and her sisters and how they got together, how she got together with her community to ask for justice, this whole process of them going to Washington and uh, trying to figure out what is happening. She trying to figure out what is happening to her mother, to her sister. It would have been lovely to see that in her performance, but we don't get to see that in the performance because Mr. Scorsese wants us to keep looking at the ugly face of Leonardo DiCaprio that we've been told. We keep being, oh, he's so handsome. He has such a beautiful eyes. He's ugly. I in this room. I don't understand. And I was like, how? How? Leonardo DiCaprio is a handsome man, but you manage to make him ugly, and then you keep like, uh, like uh, gaslighting us the whole time about how handsome he is. Is that what you're talking about? Is that is that movie making for you, Mrs. Scott? Come on, and you know, and it's heartbreaking. I would love to see her love, falling in love and then falling out of love with this man. Her reactions to like she wants wanting to believe that he is innocent and then 
slowly coming to realize that he is not, that would have been a great thing to see, but I didn't see what I saw from her. Uh, it was glimpses of what could have been and what was there already. It was like a woman trying to, you know, survive in an environment where she is a prey, trying the best to survive that trying the best to uh, to come to terms with the fact that she's losing all her family you know and it's a sad story because she lost uh, she lost all her Everyone. family yeah yeah she she just she ends and it's very strange movie because in the end you get the feeling that this was a personal thing for Martin Scorsese to do because he's like he goes, no, there is this final scene that we can talk about when you talk about the movie. And it was like, dude, if it's so important for you to honor these people, to tell this story, why, why, why did you not you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Emma Stone, poor things. I, again, like, it's such a joy to see a performance that is all about not being ashamed you know and there is a lot of things that are problematic in uh in in context with this uh, with this movie but not the things that are being discussed uh just to i think we can be spoilerish here it's basically a, a grown woman with like um that somebody inserted like a underage underage brain right so there is there is like she's she's it's about education so she's still learning so you come to see her when she's technically a baby or a toddler and even her movements are a little bit like toddler like like very uncertain huh? and you come to see the the um, evolution of her to become a full woman and she does that and the way she does that is the way it's very natural. And I don't see why people are having so much problems. She first discovers the body. Then she discovers the pleasure. And then she discovers uh, knowledge. There is a whole part of the movie that is about books. It's about philosophy. It's about her travels, what she sees from other people. That is, there has nothing to do with her body and, her, and sex. Body and sex was just the first stage. And then when she goes through a difficult circumstance in her life, she turns to sex to be a sex worker, but not sex as for pleasure for her, but as a sex work. And again, I don't understand the, the discussion because if we are being faithful to uh, being like what what being liberals or like progressives are, sex work is work, right? So mm -hmm. her decision to become a sex worker should not be up to debate there it was a decision that she made she had money but she decided to give the money to mark ruffalo and to go there because she wanted to learn what's about and then we see what sex work entails we right. see like the fetish uh, and we see everything that could happen in, in that environment um even her like having experiences with other women it's something that would work would happen in the sex work environment no. um 
one thing that I actually agree with some sort of criticisms is like, I think there is like some sort of overexposition of the sex scenes in the movie, mm. but not about, ah, it's sex. It was visit gratuitous. It's just a movie directed, conceived, produced by male figures. And they just uh, hopped Emma Stone there to be the single woman there um, to, you know, balance out but she's just one woman and they're all men like that it's not that because the parts that i actually thought it was they were more exploited it, it was like they were focused too much on her face you know yeah during the sex scenes that's what made me Okay, I understand what's going on. Why? Why you keep going to her face? Why you already? I already see. So I would. What I would have done is just one shot of the thing happening, and then yeah. go to another shot. Go to another shot. But they always go to her expression. They sometimes start with her expression and go. Oh. So I think the repetition of this was uh, what killed me, and also the ending. Um, the ending was a little bit, uh, it was on a weaker note for me. With the Admiral? Oh, so, uh, yeah. I thought that I was thought hilarious. That, it was hilarious, but I thought, I thought like that we would have like her being better than if it makes sense to you, uh-huh. you know, uh, it's just science. Yeah. yeah the, the science. That's ridiculous how they portray science in the movie. <laughs> I love it. It was like, Willem Dafoe, uh, just to go back to the uh, supporting uh, actor, maybe Robert De Niro should have been, uh, uh, should have been Willem Dafoe instead of Robert De Niro. Like I would have gone with that. Yeah. I would have gone with because that. Because he was hilarious. He, the way he defended his father, abuse of him. I was like, what? How could he not do How could he have no... It's not abuse, it's science, damn it. it. <laughs> yeah. How could he have known it if he hadn't done it? Yeah. No, he was... And then the, the other guy, God, man. Oh, my God, no. It's like, no, but... It's science. It was hilarious. So, really? yeah, so Lily Gladstone, um, but just for a fraction. All right. I would say. So, uh, let me get this straight. So, you've just up to date so far for actor in a leading mm-hmm. role. You said that Killian Murphy will win. Yes. Who did you say wanted to win? You wanted to win? I wanted to win Jeff- Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. That's right. Um, and then. I picked Killian Murphy and I wanted Bradley Cooper. I'm filling this out, folks, into a little tracker sheet uh, so, oh. that, so that uh, Priscilla can call me out when I try to tell her that I won. And I actually didn't. Yeah, you you, you had a history of doing this, no? Yeah, I'm a history historic cheater. Uh, Sterling K. Brown was... Uh, my choice of who I think the the yes. role will go to. You thought the role that the Oscar will go to Robert Downey Jr., right? Exactly. And we um, gave the Alcha Award to Robert De Niro, and okay. we both think that William Defoe should be there. 
and we both think that William Defoe got snubbed. Um, now you're picking Lily Gladstone for the actor, yes, or actress best in the leading mm-hmm. role, and uh, you want her to win also, or did you want someone else to win? Uh, I I would say I I think I would be I would be fine with her winning. Um, but if uh, Annette Benning or Sandra Hüller uh, or Emma Stone won, I wouldn't be uh, gl- I wouldn't be unhappy. So this right. is the kind of like competitive category that everybody, except Karen Mulligan, who won the Ouch Award, should 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 be able to win, in my opinion. All right. Well, uh, I can make I can sum mine up real quick. I loved Annette Benning in Nyad. I thought it was great, but I don't think it's as good as Lily Gladstone's performance in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. This is the only category that I am. Well, no, I take that back. This is the second category that I am not giving an ouchie to. I thought Emma Stone was fantastic. Um, technically, I think that the technical aspect of everything that Emma Stone did in that movie was immaculate. Um, I adored Carrie Mulligan in that role. I know that, uh, you didn't, and that's cool. Um, but partially because I was just so in love with that maestro film, um, which probably colored my, uh, opinion of her performance. Uh, I thought Sandra Huller, like you said, was absolutely fantastic. And now lead actress, Bubba, who do you think should win? Uh, who do you think will win? And, uh, who do you think should not even be there in the nominations? Well, I'm going to lead up. Well, no, let's just get it out of the way. Lily Gladstone is going to win. She would be a deserving winner for lead actress. I don't think that this has got to be the highest odds in Vegas of all. If she doesn't win, things have really gone wrong. Now of the others nominated, I think, and I hope I pronounce this right. Sandra Hewler. Hewler. Sandra Hewler. Polar. Perfect. Thank you so much. No. In anatomy Hula. of say it one more it's time. Hula. 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 I hope I got that right. This wonderful actress who's not only in the zone of interest, but she's also nominated for this great role in Anatomy of a Fall. She's been great in so many things. This German actress, she was great in an earlier film, Michael Erdman. And she's very great in the two kind of distinct performances she gets to give in the big movies this year, once again, nominated for Anatomy of a Fall. I think Carrie Mulligan is really the heart of Maestro. And in some ways, there's a part of me that says somebody who has to really carry the movie on their own, like she does in a lot of ways, deserves to win, but I do not think she's going to win. I think the closest for could win is Emma Stone's fearless portrayal in Poor Things, just a brilliant, carefree, great performance. But I, I I, go with Lily Gladstone. If you haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon, I believe it's her very last scene in the film is incredibly powerful, incredibly strong. It's the one moment in the film where you're kind of like, oh, no, this is, this, this is it. This is kind of what we've been waiting, what was it, three and a half hours to see. And so Gladstone's mm-hmm. going to win. And in the end, I think she deserves it. Cool. Any ouchies? No ouchies for me. What do you guys? Sorry, I, I I lost track. Did you guys have ouchies? Uh, we I, had. Ho- yeah, Hover, we all had Hover for De Robert De Niro. 
Um, no, mm-hmm. I meant in this category. In this category, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, in this I category. I had for Kari Mulligan. Yeah. Yeah, she said. Oh, Carrie really? Yeah. I thought. I thought. Yeah. I, I can understand how it might seem a bit performative, but I still thought it was mm-hmm. very strong. And I think. No, any, I've, any issue I've, I, I had with it against... is from the film. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against. It's just something that I think it has been done before, and she didn't bring anything new. It's just uh, the year was so packed of good movies that, like you know, one hundred percent. Yeah, somebody else could could have easily gone there, like and taken that part. Like for instance, now Barbie herself, Margot Robbie. So there you have it. Let's go now to actress in a supporting role. Okay. Ooh, another good uh, fight. These are some good fights here. Yeah. So I would say the um, the nominees are Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, America Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for The Ads, and Divine Joy Randall for The Holdovers. So, since this is like a female uh, category, I will go first, then uh, Baba, and then Matt, okay? Okay. So, Emily Blunt, ouch, award, I'm sorry. Uh, I have have to admit, I have problems with Emily Blunt. I don't usually like her. I loved her at the Devil Wells Prada, but usually I'm like, "Eh." Anyway... It's a very difficult role, and it's a very difficult role for a woman in a in a Christopher Nolan movie. He's not very good. Uh, like it's, I'm not the only one that feels the way. And this character, like she's always very angry. She's always like uh, having problems. And there is just one scene uh, that justifies this uh, nomination, in my opinion. That is like when they are. Um, She's testifying. Then she gives a strong performance. But uh, my opinion, I was so exasperated by her character by then that it's like it, it came and, and went, you know. Danielle Brooks, on the other hand, color purple. So, wow. Uh, she plays the same character that Oprah played in the original which is, again, like the character that uh, Robert Diner Jr. plays in Oppenheimer is one of those that uh, you have to be a really bad actor not to get nominated by playing that, you know. Um, America Ferreira, Barbie, it's worth the, the monologue that is now very famous about feminism that she managed to explain everything in like less than five minutes. And Jodie Foster in the ad and Annette Benning in the ad, there's just like one performance. You know? Like one character doesn't live, the, it wouldn't work without the other. They are in balance. They are like together. And it was amazing to see that. Um, but I think the Oscar should go and will go to Divine Joy Randall for the holdovers. She is the truth. The, like what she goes through and what she survives there and she survives with grace with empathy and uh, with intelligence too like, and, and the movie is about those three characters coming together and coming to terms with the traumas of their lives and 
she is so powerful and so beautiful. I I want everything that that has to go perfect to go perfect to the character and to this actress because it was amazing. So my vote is for Divine Joy Randolph that she should win and she will win. And my Ouch Award goes to Emily Blunt. Mm. All right. Baba. Wow. Well, now this is, as you pointed out, Priscilla, a category of women. So there's no better subject to talk about it than me, I joke. <laughs> but seriously, um, I, I the Ouch Award we've been giving, hopefully everybody understands it's in um it's in fun uh fun fun take. It's not, you know, we're not scolding. But I'm well, going says to give you. It, yeah, says I. That's true. I'm going to give it to an actress who has been great for 50 years, who I actually uh, saw one day when I was out walking in my neighborhood in uh, Los Angeles. I saw oh. her at the street one time, seemingly going to this birthday party. I'm giving it to Jodie Foster, who mm -hmm. is incredible and is on voters' minds because of her recent portrayal in the most recent season of True Detective. And so I think if they were going to give a uh, Lifetime Achievement Award from the people in this group, certainly Jodie Foster has earned it, deserves it. She's an incredible performer. But of the five, she is the, you know, if I had to rank these specific performances, I would have her last. I actually think Emily Blunt, besides The Devil Wears Prada, which she was brilliant in, has had many very brilliant performances. But I agree with you, Priscilla, this Oppenheimer will not do it. The place I'm going to go is one I have. I'm going to agree with you completely, Priscilla, on your choice for who should win and who will win. But I'm going to even add a caveat to my own thought. So I am giving it to Divine Joy Randolph, who appears every season on Only Murders in the Building. I'm going to give it to mm -hmm. her for her yeah. performance in The Holdovers. But I do want to say that uh, hopefully everybody understands this isn't truly a spoiler, but... Her it's set up in the first time you meet her character that her character had uh, mm -hmm. lost a son in the movie. And normally when you hear a character who's had a son pass away, you can think of kind of super big giant Academy Award monologues or moments where you're going to, you know, really you're going to uh, – emotions mm -hmm. are going to explode in fireworks. And it's like, ooh, that's the scene that won you the Academy Award. In my mind – it's not, this isn't that type of film that's going to give fireworks, you know, you can't handle the truth type screaming, blowing an emotion. And so in a slightly understated way, I think she's just as powerful. And so, uh, but I do wonder if that could open this uh, race up to different uh, winners. But right now I'm going with mm -hmm. this wise choice, Divine Joy Randolph, The Holdovers. Cool. And you, Matt? What, what, who should win, who will win, and who should not be there in the first place? I don't know that I have any ouchies to give uh, for this particular category. I thought Emily Blunt was fine. I thought she was good in, in Oppenheimer. Um, I will say this. I am not a fan of the musical The Color Purple, uh, and that's nothing against the story or whatever, but um, it takes me out. Of, of the story. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to evaluate Daniel Brooks's performance. It's still good performance. Don't get me wrong, but it's tough for me to evaluate 
her performance, which is which is in a totally different context from everybody else in this category. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it tough. So I don't think that she'll win, as you said earlier, Priscilla. The Academy tends to frown on comedies and musicals in in general, and it's again, uh, it's nothing personal against a musical. It's just not one of my favorites, and I much preferred the original treatment as it was done by Oprah Winfrey and and that magnificent cast as well. So I'm not having her. America Ferrera is great. Um, I think that she is a potential contender, but I don't think that she'll win. Jodie Foster is always a contender and anytime she's nominated, she's absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, and in fact, I really liked Nyad and I kind of hope that she does win in a way. Um, but man, that performance by Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers has everything in it. It mm -hmm. has subtlety, it has bravery, it has it has a pride in it um, that I think if you put her lifetime reel on, it should be the thing that gets the most attention and hopefully will. Uh, for a long time. Of course, she's always can do better too, probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm no judge of, of potential, but I, it's just, it was the thing that kept me really involved in the movie the whole time, um, more so than any other aspect of that film. So mm -hmm. Matt, uh, can I, can I ask you and Priscilla a question in my describing of the part? I said there wasn't like an, a gigantic firework emotional kind of this is my Oscar moment monologue. Did you guys agree with that? Or was there a specific moment in the film where you thought, OK, she's won my heart. She's won this uh, performance. She should win the award. Like uh, I'm I'm a cook, too. Right. I cook for children. <laughs> so this whole reality of her cooking for everybody, it's already like a win to my heart. Um, <laughs> The thing is, like, she had this moment where she's on the on the this end of the year party where she break finally breaks. That would be the Oscar moment where she she's she's, she's he's not here, he's gone. To me, however, the mm -hmm. moment where like she is asked uh, to go to the director's room and she's waiting with the boy to be called and she oh, gives yes. the boy her hand and they yes. hold hands. That's, that's, that's the emotional like the, climax that's the of the moment. whole film. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, because this woman has suffered a lot and she still has strength and empathy to see that that boy needed someone. Off to Best Picture. Best Whoa. Picture has eight Movies nominated, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and Poor Things. And The Zone of so, Interest, that's 10. And The Zone of Interest, yes. Sorry. So who wants to start here? Or should I start? Because I watched the whole all You've, you're the only one who's seen all of them. We should say that. Uh, I've seen okay. all except the zone of interest. Bubba, have you seen all of them? Maybe I'm saying that wrong if you have. No, I apologize. I have only seen six of the ten. Six of the ten. Okay. Terrible. Cool. So I can talk about uh, the zone of interest, which I watched two days ago. 
Um, it is the best movie of the decade, in my opinion. Whoa! Because it's like, it's two movies in one. It's one movie you're watching with your eyes, the other movie you're listening. You, It's all about what is happening beyond that wall. And what they did with the sound, the soundtrack, the sound design there, it's unbelievable. I was already watching Oppenheimer thinking, whoa, the sound of this movie is another thing. It's like out of the world. It should. Yeah. Then you go to watch the zone of interest and the way they elevate what you cannot see in a movie, which is a medium, is a visual medium, is like mind blowing. And it works. It works so, like, explicitly you know and the way they also like they have this thing that they they place the cameras in some angles it's almost like big brother sometimes like and the actors they walk around and it's a real house that they are uh, and there is this naturalistic nature and like the casualty and everything and it's like it's unbelievable i was watching and it's the kind of movie that you it, it leaves you cold but you keep thinking about it afterwards. And this is the kind of movie that I, I personally enjoy most. The movie that you cannot get out of your mind makes you think. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Priscilla, I have heard nothing but raves and harrowing things about this film. I want to mention one review I've heard, and then I want to ask you a question. The first review I've heard is somebody called this film brilliant but they can't wait to never watch it again was their kind of end yeah. line of it. Did you feel that way? Yeah. Was it so painful? You're yes. like, this is great, but I never want to watch it again. It's not, it's not painful because you don't see anything. You well, don't it's like you see said, it. You are and, hearing it. Though. It's the, that's the point. You don't see it, but you feel the oppression. You feel the pre the presence. You are oppressed the whole time and you're just there for one hour and 40 minutes imagine five years of that and uh, like the mother of the main character of Sandra Hulas, she cannot take it she is kind of a Nazi sympathizer herself but not really enthusiastic about it you can see that for the the way the dialogue goes she cannot stand it she goes running from the place and the funny thing is like they don't want to leave there Right, they they get possibly get a transfer to Berlin, and they're like, no, yeah, we've made they a don't life want here. to leave. They they laid this life, this and it's like whoa, you know. So it's like soulless. They have like a very small soul. It's all about the material, what they can get out of that. They have no. So it's amazing the things that are seen, the things that I heard, and the things that are left unsaid there. So in this sense. It's a perfect movie you only need to watch once. And that's the, the brilliance of it. So now you can go because, but now you can go, Baba, because you you watched the, the last. Well, no, no. I, I had another question about the zone of interest. And mm. that is, Priscilla, you spoke so eloquently at the beginning of this, saying it's the best film you've seen at least in a decade. Is there, you would think, or I would think, not having seen the zone of interest, that if this is the best film you've seen in a decade, 
should there have been uh, acting performances in this film that should have been nominated in some of the categories, but unless I'm mistaken, none of the acting uh, roles in the zone of interest are nominated in any of the four acting categories. So did, did the, did the Academy Awards snub someone by accident or what do you think? I wouldn't say it's not. I would have liked to see Sada Hula not, uh, another time there. She would have deserved it. But this is the kind of thing, uh, the film, that the, the central drama, it's not the actors. It's not, it's, 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 uh, it's the atmosphere. It's what is like, it's the whole setup. So in a sense, the presence there, they're just presence. They're just like ghosts. They are not people. You understand you, I, I would, it's very nice to give a prize for actor to interpret, to that interpret, that is making an interpretation of a person that you feel, okay, I feel this person. This person seems real to me. No person in this movie seems real to you mm. unless they are like the ones that that don't speak which are the servants the slaves the, the like the other people the, the the main characters that you see speak to each other they are nothing they are not people they are like just husks you know so in this sense and this is i i, I watched like uh an interview with Sandra Hull and she was like she's saying that as an actress she always like and I hear that often, like that they work with the body. So they basically, they give the body to the performance, no? And that they always have this exchange, like they give something of them to the character and they take something of them to the character. And she said, this time I made sure to give her nothing. This woman deserves nothing. She gets <laughs> nothing from me and I take nothing from her. And it makes so much sense when you watch. So much sense. So okay. no, I don't think any, anybody was snubbed. So the one that gets the ouchie for me is Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't need yeah. I don't need the Godfather and and Forrest Gump um, being focused on on a film that's really about an Indian culture. Um, the yes. the the movie that I want to win, believe it or not, is Maestro. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's a certain transcendence that happens with musicians very rarely, but occasionally. And you actually visually saw that transition, that transcendence happen with Bradley Cooper on a couple of occasions, especially the Mahler the second. I thought that the, uh, the change of aspect was beautiful. I thought the, the music, uh, of course was gorgeous. The best performances were actually the Mahler performances, not the actual Bernstein performances, um, but they were all poignant. And the film that I think will win um, is actually Open Oppenheimer. Um, I think Past Lives was a beautiful film too. Um, I love Grace in uh, what's the television show that she does on Apple TV, The Morning Show. Um, mm -hmm. I think that she is fantastic in that and I thought she was really good in this film I feel like she probably should have gotten a nomination uh, for best yeah. actress in in that 
but uh overall i think it's going to be over uh, oppenheimer uh oppenheimer mm -hmm. pardon me um because that film is just such a spectacle and um mm -hmm. the performances are all good as well uh okay so that's me bubba how about you well, we are about to get in a big fight because my ouchie goes to Mastro. I just couldn't connect with it. Mm -hmm. What's funny is I feel the film is very stylistically close to Anatomy of a Fall, where mm -hmm. both movies are really kind of trying to put you in this world, in this life, with almost no accoutrement. This is what it was like. This is who these characters are. But Anatomy of a Fall, which is a very long two-and-a-half-hour movie, for anyone who uh, is watching it, know that at a certain point, there is a courtroom scene. And at a certain point in a courtroom scene, they they are playing evidence. And it has an emotional punch that, to me, kind of lifted a film I wasn't connected with up. Okay. Maestro, for whatever reason, I didn't feel that emotional punch to lift it up to connect with me. I'm so glad that you loved it, Matt, but that was the one that I didn't connect with. Excellent. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I, so, agree, I agree with both of your thoughts on Killers of the Flower Moon, but I come into it from a slightly different place in that I actually read the nonfiction book before I saw mm -hmm. it. And I thought it was an incredibly gripping tale. I thought it was, believe it or not, the book had a bigger scope than the film, which had a bit of a narrow scope. And I think... It's beautifully made. I can see how people did connect with it. But for me, the book had a much bigger emotional kind of connection where in the film, it really is almost that last scene where Lily Gladstone and Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Ernest, their last scene together, where is where I really kind of felt the, the gravitas mm -hmm. and the pain and the emotion that the film wanted me to film, feel the entire three and a half hour run. Uh, one final thing I want to say is that I did not see Poor Things, even though I love this director. He had a big breakout movie in Dogtooth back in 2009 that everybody around the world was talking about. And while I didn't connect with that, I did see, I believe, his next film was The Lobster. And I thought, oh, boy, this is creative. This is what I, I love. And so I can't wait to see Poor Things. I have a feeling that I will connect with it. The one I connected with the most is The Holdovers. I, Alexander Payne and mm -hmm. I just have a similar wavelength uh, where films can be emotional, but they're not um, showy emotional, and it can grab you. And Priscilla, that moment when we were talking about Divine Joy Randolph holding, uh, reaching out the hand for the character of Angus, that was, that was like, a, okay, this means a lot. And admittedly, Paul Giamatti's character, what he's doing at that moment too, also means a lot. I agree. What's going to win? Oppenheimer. It, it would be a deserving winner. This is a very long film that moves at an incredible pace. The editing is incredible. The history is interesting. The way that it, uh, you can make a film that is uh, simply people in rooms, sometimes very small rooms, like very small conference rooms, talking, be dramatic and moving and gripping. I think Nolan succeeded in all of these. So I'm going to vote for Oppenheimer. I thought it was very good. It's just the one that emotionally was on my wavelength was the holdovers. So Baba, like, um, will win Oppenheimer, should win for you, would be holdovers, and ouch, right. would be kilos of the flower moon. Right? Uh, no, I, I went ouch with 
Maestro, I apologize. I maestro. Did. Yeah, sorry. Alja, maestro. Maestro. Come on, people. At least pronounce it right. And my, not, and not Matt's after that w- film. Matt thinks <laughs> open. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, Matt, you think Oppenheimer will win? I you think open, like- yeah, I think Oppenheimer will win. I think that my mm. I want Maestro to win. Yeah, everybody. And hates you me. would give the ouch to Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Uh, yes. So my opinion, I I I will give the Killers of the Flower Moon another ouch. Should not be there. Prologue amazing. First part, amazing. Establish everything we needed to know about Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. They should not be uh, bigger characters from then on. But then Martin Scorsese spends waste the second part and the third part, like showing me that awful face of Leonardo DiCaprio, the like <laughs> old face of Robert De Niro, like, no, because he's always like, Ugh. and uh, and then confused me by the epilogue when Martin Scorsese appears like to be very emotional and then like talking about Elise Gladstone's character and I was like I, I was utterly confused so I don't like to be confused so it's an <laughs> ouch for me. Loved American fiction. I would love if American fiction could win because it, it was a satire that it spoke too much about too many things, uh, and it managed to be a portrayal of a family in the, uh, like in the, the heart of the movie is the portrayal of the family. And, uh, Jeffrey Wright cracked me up. He, uh, he and Sterling K. Brown cracked me up. Anatomy of a Fall, uh, honestly, it's Sandra Hula that she's the film. She the is. film is just, well, the, the son, film is just, yeah, the son a little the film bit. Is, the film is a courtroom drama made like a la Francaise. No? Like they have this uh, another way of uh, telling a story, which is very good. And as I said, when I was reviewing her performance, she works like uh, without her mother tongue. And that gives another level of distress to her performance because when you're not speaking on a mother tongue, uh, the language that you, you learn afterwards, you always seem that you're being a little bit un- dishonest, not not dishonest, but not fully honest. And that brings another level to her portrayal. Would also love Barbie to win because of the cultural impact it had. It took a lot of people back to the movie theaters and Oppenheimer too. It was the, no, it was the event. Uh, but Oppenheimer should yeah, Barbenheimer, but Oppenheimer should win because it's the whole package. It's the full package, as Baba said. So it's like a very balanced movie, big production, big money, uh, everything there. Like the cast is amazing. Uh, like, you know, Christopher Nolan, everything is there to be loved. Maestro, I, I'm not against, um, but I will give an ouch award because Strange and all of us strangers. It's an amazing movie. The Iron Claw. It's an amazing movie. Neither of them are there because it's a competitive year, and in a competitive year, anything counts. So, but my answer kind of makes sense because there are like two two movies there, so it makes sense. I, I but I will give an out just to be un- evil, you know, just to be <laughs> hateful. Uh, past lives. 
like best actress Carrie Mulligan should have been either Best Lives or Barbie, in my opinion. Uh, it's a movie that is centered about this story of a woman that she has to let go of her um, like Korean child love to be able to be the woman that she wants to be, which is not a Korean housewife. She wants to be a, a writer and it's painful. And it's a story that's about immigration, which obviously connect, I connect with it. Poor things also, uh, it, it, it was a blast. It was a blast. And, but as I said, should we in Oppenheimer, should not be there, my astro. What, who I, the one I would like to win the zone of interest. It's just another level. It's just another level. It, they are, you know, all the other are movies, great movies. The zone of interest is uh, an experience. I should, for complete honesty, point out that the uh, the one character's mother in uh, the holdovers is someone I used to improv with, Jillian Vigman. So shout out Jillian Vigman. Whoa. Wow. Oh, man, you've been you've, wow. been you've been like uh doing a look at me Louie this week uh with oh yeah, hung out with Jodie Foster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I know the, the chick in this movie. Her. I'm a famous writer. I've got a script in the movie and t- in in, yeah, in the movies. <laughs> Come on, Bubba. I I got some poll results here. We did a little All survey, right. a pre-survey basically asking the same things that we're asking. I didn't do ouchies for every category, guys. I only did it for best film, so I'll do that first. Uh, 33% agree with Bubba and Priscilla, thinking that Maestro just is a terrible film. Um, Then, uh, let's see, (laughs) next in line, Killers of the Flower Moon got 22%. Uh, So did Anatomy of a Fall, interestingly enough. And then 11% apiece uh, went to uh, Past Lives. And hmm. uh, the holdovers. No. Yeah, <laughs> just eleven percent though, um, out of the thousands and thousands of survey results that we got. Also, uh, for uh, who's the best actor in a leading role? Uh, believe it or not, Bradley Cooper got twenty-two percent, but that was the weakest of all of the votes. Hmm. Uh, Paul Giamatti got thirty-three percent. Okay. Cillian Murphy got forty-four point four percent. Wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, best actor in a supporting role. Sterling K. Brown takes away over mm. 40% of the nominations. Uh, very good. Uh, Robert De Niro got 11%. Uh, Mark Ruffalo <laughs> got 22%. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. got 22%. Once again, okay. now I know Sterling K. Brown has some humor in his part. But a straight-up comedy role of Ryan Gosling, none, nobody voted for. People hate comedy. People hate yeah. comedies and musicals. That's why you don't see any votes for uh, Color Purple either in the Best Supporting Actress role. Um, oh, I take that back. Devon, Danielle Brooks did get 22% of the vote in the supporting no. role for Actress. Uh, America Ferreira also got 22%. Jodie Foster got 11%. Mm-hmm. And uh, Divine Joy Randolph got the 44%. Uh, for the best lead actress, uh, Emma Stone gets 44%. Uh, Carrie Mulligan wow. got 22%. Wow. 
No. Lily Gladstone got 33%. Sorry, but 33% of you are right here. And uh, let's see. Well, this is should win, not will win. I think. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, And then uh, for best picture, uh, everybody's for Oppenheimer over 50%, 50, 56%. 11% did go to Maestro, 22% to the holdovers, and another 11% to Barbie. Wow. Barbie. Yeah. Cool. Let me throw out one other thing. This, I believe this year, I hope I'm not messing this up, or maybe it's actually next year. They're going to nominate stunt performers and stunts are such a big part of movies. This last year we had uh, the Academy Awards are going to nominate stunt performances. I'm pretty sure it's actually next year, not this year, but I was thinking Mm -hmm. of the stunts in the new, in the mission impossible from 2023 in the Indiana Jones from 2023, so many great stunts. And so I'm glad that, I think there should be more awards to recognize. I know that best ensemble is one people talk about, about like, hey, you know, it's like we're having to, once again, we're getting so limited by only, you know, five best actress or five best supporting actors. And so if there would be an ensemble award for 2023, do you guys have a pick for the best ensemble in a film? It might be Oppenheimer just because there's so many well-drawn characters. Um, any thoughts on who would win or who should win an ensemble pick if there was an Oscar for it this year? Acting ensemble? Barbie. Yeah, a lot of great people in Barbie, that's for sure. Uh, I do want to say uh, Jerskin absolutely deserves best score. Baba, you said you haven't seen Poor Things? I haven't heard nothing but wonderful things about it, but I've that score is like one of the most inventive and amazing scores I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, I love the music (laughs) of my, it was great. Yeah. But the way that that score grows with the character in timbre, in, um, complication of harmony, uh, that same little thing that you hear that sounds like it's coming out of a toy box at the beginning of the film that exact same theme is played in the very last scene with a total reharmonization, full orchestration. I mean, it, it, the score really tells the story. And this kid, who's only like 30 some odd years old, just absolutely killed it. He was amazing uh, with this score. It's, it's, a, it's, it's as innovative as any score that I've ever heard in terms of graduating um graduating just from nothingness from simplicity to it 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 tells you that emma stone's character has gotten to where she's gotten to that's what it it does for me dang uh don't forget folks we want your comments in the video uh for on the youtube because i'm not taking i'm not taking entries from anywhere else but if before the oscars go uh please leave your comments in the videos up till march 10th if you get more picks right than me which as many times as i picked maestro in this podcast you know that you've got a pretty good shot um we all know that the match is going to it's be not hard, it's year. not hard to beat me so if you pick more than me you're thrown into a drawing for a chance to win a 100 gift card from amazon on me uh how do you find those videos if you're not already watching it, if you're just listening on the audio podcast, you go to youtube.com slash at the word, double the letter P, the word media. Find the video and comment on there immediately. 
become one of Bubba's over 6,000 subscribers, become a new one, uh, hit the like buttons on all of his Let's Solve uh, series of things that he's done on murder, only murders in the building and, and what have you, because that's actually what caused Bubba to be late. He was too busy giving comments uh, in response to all of the comments that he gets on those videos. And so that's, uh, that's something that you got to do for him is, is give him more reasons to prolong a, a further sustained injury, but don't forget to come back when double P media Bubba and catfish <laughs> cover three body problem coming in March. Oh, and, uh, okay. and Bubba deals drugs as well as, as we go along. Hey, you put them yeah. up there. That's it. Thanks for watching Boston Blockbusters, listening to Boston Blockbusters at Priscilla TV. If you want to hear extensive reviews of all of the films that are nominated for Best Pictures as well. Take care.